0: Beyond the Baseline is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners, more payouts than any other site. Enter the promo code BEYOND at FanDuel.com for a bonus match of up to $200. bucks. we are also sponsored by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal. Pay for your ticket, get to your seat, download the SeatGeek app, enter our code BEYOND for $20 off your first
1: purchase. Before the tournament started, I saw Gigi Fernandez and she said, I don't think she's going to do it. She's like, well, I know it's different, but I played for the doubles Grand Slam. And she goes, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. All I could think about was trying to accomplish it. And you know that Serena probably had all these commercials. All this stuff was dependent on, on her winning that tournament. I just think that she cracked. Everyone saw it on a public forum and you just can't deny that how important that tournament and that moment was to her
0: hey john worth i'm here this is this week's sports illustrated tennis podcast produced by jamie Lasanti. Just a quick thanks for everyone for your feedback from past episodes. We've had players. We've had Victoria Azarenka, outtakes with Roger Federer. We've had retired players. We've had people from inside the tennis world, outside the tennis world. I am keeping track of some of your suggestions for future guests. Much appreciated. But today we have our regular guest, Hall of Famer, who gets embarrassed when we mention this. Uh, Great tennis voice, colleague of mine at the Tennis Channel. She's like... Our Alec Baldwin to Saturday Night Live. She's our Joe House. She's our cousin, Sal. Lindsay Davenport, welcome back. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't get that out without laughing. How you doing?
1: I'm good. I, I feel like I'm just there in case you can't get like a high-profile guest. It's like, oh, we'll take Lindsay. No problem. <laughs> I would say
0: quite the contrary. People are, and I can show, we have metrics even to match this. You are our most popular guest, and people yeah, saying yeah, get yeah. Lindsay back here. Right, um, right, right, right. You're, you're I'm telling you, you're you're going to be our Alec Baldwin to Saturday Night Live. Um, All right. We will not make you do Jim Webb. So, I, you know what I was thinking when I was coming down to do this? I was thinking, I think I last saw you on that Friday of the U.S. Open when we had our last tennis channel show, uh, which was, was very fun. And at that point, Serena Williams looked like a lock to win the Grand Slam, and Roger was going to win another major, and Jeannie Bouchard was making this spirited comeback, and... Stacey Allister was going to lead the WTA to Asia in a, in a weird kind of way. A, a lot's happened uh, in the last six, eight weeks out there in, in tennis land.
1: All right, what's been the most surprising one to you?
0: Well, to be honest, I had not heard any sort of murmurs about Stacey Allister leaving her position. Usually yeah, you I sort of agreed. catch wind of like, I, I, I mean, maybe you're different. I, I had That one I had not heard. Sort of. Sometimes you hear this stuff brewing, and they lost the board. You know, the board has sort of lost their confidence. That one kind of got me out of nowhere. I also, I don't know. I I figure we ought to just start with Serena, and I guess what I'll start by saying and asking is, what surprises you more that that defeat or what's happened since, which is she obviously hasn't played a match. Um, I, I hear from friends at NBC she was supposed to host Saturday Night Live, and that did not materialize. She's kept a low profile, obviously not playing for the rest of the year, at least WTA events, not playing Singapore, which is a big blow to the tour. What surprises you more, her losing that semifinal match or the fact that we have not seen much of her since?
1: Definitely losing the match. Um I think for her to take the fall off and to decompress to get away from the sport is, unfortunately, it's bad for the sport, but that's exactly what she has to do to kind of get her mind back to still be able to focus 9 to 10 months out of the year at 34 years of age after accomplishing everything she has done. I think that a break was definitely the right way to go. Now, it's interesting. She's not going to play a match as it stands now, from losing in the semifinals of the U.S. Open to the first round of the Australian Open, she agreed to play Hotman Cup, but that's not, um, you know, regular right. tour match. So it's a long break, but uh, I think she'll be okay. The loss still to Vinci. I thought she had gotten over those those tournament nerves the first week after the Maddox Sands match. Uh, I just think you, you just can't deny that enormous amount of pressure she felt, and you saw it all come to a head against Vinci.
0: That looked to me like she was, and I, and I don't use this term loosely, I mean, she was having a nervous breakdown on the court. Yeah. And, 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 pa- <laughs> and Patrick, i, I got to say, to Patrick's credit, her coach, Patrick Mortoglou, yep. basically said, you know, she was tight, she was nervous, she didn't move nearly as well as she's accustomed to. It was, to me, there was something poignant, there was something sort of sad, that e- even the greatest female player of this generation if not ever is still susceptible to nerves there was something sad about the fact that would have been great for serena it would have been great for tennis if she could have achieved this um but to me that was one of the stranger sporting events i've been to where she was literally playing at i mean you you know she used to say this earlier in her career and people would sort of roll their eyes she literally was playing at something like 60 percent her capacity i thought
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, You know, it was so funny. Before the tournament started, I I saw Gigi Fernandez. And we were talking about it. And she said, I don't think she's going to do it. And I kind of just giggled and said, well, why? She's like, well... I know it's different, but I played for the doubles Grand Slam, and she goes, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, all I could think about was trying to accomplish it. And then Gigi told me she talked, had t- just spoken to the Bryan brothers as well, and they said the same thing, they would never felt that much pressure. And they thought it would be really tough for her to do as well. Now, there's not many people you can find that were playing for the calendar year slam and what kind of pressure they felt at the U.S. Open. I thought it was interesting to hear from some of the best doubles players of all time how much they felt. And you know that Serena probably had all these commercials already in the can that were going to run if she was able to accomplish it. As you said, Saturday Night Live, all this stuff was dependent on on her winning that tournament and then to know she had to beat Vinci and Panetta no disrespect to them but I think she would have taken that had someone told her that two weeks earlier okay once you get to the semis it's Vinci and Panetta to to win it Um, I just think that she cracked everyone saw it on a public forum, and you just can't deny that how important that tournament and that moment was to her.
0: To me there's something really sad about the timing of all this that if she if she had lost in Australia in the semifinals people would have been surprised then she would have won the next three majors so she still finishes the year with three majors but instead of losing the last one she loses at the first one people yeah. she's the toast of tennis and this is a great story i think the fact that she was you know literally twenty six twenty eighths of the way 13/14th <laughs> if we reduce our fractions i mean she literally had she had three sets to go for this amazing accomplishment and as you say I mean this would have redefined her career there had to have been tens of millions of dollars I mean imagine the bonuses for winning the Grand Slam yeah. I think the 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 fact I mean it's it sort of it's strange to me that it sort of ends up a, a little bit on a downer this is the last match she'll play in 2015 it's a defeat it's an upset and yet you stand back and you say we should be celebrating this as one of the all-time great seasons in tennis
1: Yeah it, you know it it really it, you can't deny that it, it's not i mean she just she, she just wanted it so badly and we, she's such a an emotional player out on court and and how you can just see when you look at her and her how she conducts herself i mean steffi never really changed how she just put her head down walked from side to side you know very little fist pumps you know it was just all business serena's always given us such an insight to how she's feeling And she's normally just such a great athlete and so good, she can just power through it even when she's feeling vulnerable. But, I mean, that day, she just it it just looked like she wanted to be anywhere else once it got to about the latter stages of the second set, anywhere else than Arthur Ashe Stadium Court.
0: Hold that thought, Lindsey Davenport. We're going to pay some bills. Roger Federer isn't the only one who had a bad week. The Redskins would top the list as far as I'm concerned, including my Indianapolis Colts of having a rough NFL Week 6. If you love football, though, but you're sick of being let down by your awful team, take back winning at FanDuel. Now you can win. Up to 200 bucks in bonus cash gets you started. You can win millions, literally, when you use the FanDuel code BEYOND at FanDuel.com. FanDuel's the leader in one-week fantasy football. More winners, more payouts than any other site. They will pay over $75 million a week this football season. Entry fees start as low as just a buck. There's a league for everyone. Over a million players have won playing fantasy football on FanDuel now. It's your turn. If you're watching the big games anyway, FanDuel ups the ante, intensifies the experience, turns your Sunday into a whole new experience. FanDuel.com. Enter beyond FanDuel.com. Every day is a new season. Again, FanDuel.com. Try it today. I got to say, too, I went back and read some of the accounts when, when Steffi pulled this off in, in 1988. And literally, there were entire stories. Some of them didn't even reference the Grand Slam. Some of them said, you know, we'll see what kind of shape she's in when she goes to Seoul for the Olympics. This was not nearly as big a deal the last time it was uh, achieved.
1: But don't you think that also started in the 90s where all of a sudden the obsession became about Grand Slams and numbers of Grand Slams won? It didn't seem like when, when I personally talked to Martina Navratilova or Tracy and some of the players from the generation previous, it just didn't seem to be that big of an emphasis on number of grand slams. won. I mean, Tracy tells stories how she, I don't know. I don't know if she ever went to the Australian open because of school.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's just right. like
1: it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, I, I don't know. I feel that that switch came somewhere in the early to mid nineties where it's going to be about how many you can win and it just didn't seem like the generation before was that was that consumed with it.
0: Oh, I totally agree. I mean, you know, look some of this is social media and some of this is media in general, but no, I t- I totally agree. Once Slam's One became the benchmark, I think that completely changed the way hey, winning all four in one year. I think I think it completely changed how that is viewed. Let me ask you um you know, sometimes we say to people, if, if, you were, if you were the coach, what would you do? And in this case, as someone who actually is an active coach, you're extra well-suited to answer this. What do you tell her? I mean, you know, she's, as, as you say, she's turned 34 years old. She's coming off this, this fairly devastating loss. At the same time, you know, let's take a step back. She's won four of the last five majors. She's still number one by a boatload of points. What do you tell her in the fall of 2015 right now?
1: I think, first of all, you sit down and you figure out the long-term goals. Um, obviously, I, I'm not sure. I would have to assume it is get to whatever number, 26 total Grand Slam titles. Try and obviously pass Steffi and then pass Margaret Court, and you're going to go down as the greatest ever. Okay, how do we accomplish that? Well, unfortunately for the WTA Tour, it's not playing every single week and playing in the fall. Like She needs to take breaks. For, for her body physically, but more importantly, for her sanity, for her mental strength. So I think everything that she's doing is absolutely perfect. And it's up to the team to just get her to be in the right mind frame, the right place to play well at the slams. That's really the only thing that should be of importance to Serena Interesting to hear her talk about this year, how a couple of years ago it just clicked for her that she can't just show up at slams and expect to win them. She has to play well at some other tournaments. She has to get some momentum. She has to get the kinks out. She's She's got to still play well at the big tournaments on the tour, and I think Patrick was a huge part of getting her to realize that. But that doesn't mean to play an 11- or 10-and-a-half-month, 11-month season. So she's doing great this fall. I would probably – think that she would start working out and practicing maybe mid-November, give herself two months into the Australian Open, and then just shoot for the Stars next year in the slams.
0: I like that. I I would also, uh, I think there's. if you're a coach, isn't there also an easy riff of think about what it says about your powers of recovery? If you go down to Melbourne and clean everybody's clock after the U.S. Open, think about what that says about how, you have this ability to bounce back. I mean, I, I think, you know, if you're trying to imbue her with motivation, it's probably not going to come from playing in China in October. No. But, no. God, winning the Australian <laughs> Open, she must want that as much as she's wanted any title.
1: I would think so. I mean, I, her motivation is insane. I mean, how she's been able to do this now for, gosh, what's it been, 19 or 20 years on on tour? And she seems to be more motivated now, more focused than she ever has been this loss was gonna hurt and that's why you take some time away, you you shield her from media stuff, like exactly how her team's done it. You give her space, you give her time off from training and all of that. And then you come back with with a vengeance and at the end of the year start training hard again and, and get ready for January.
0: I would say it's amazing in this sport how much goes on that people don't see. But um I mean you 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 think about How how much sort of mental preparation and how much recovery work, and some of it is physical and some of it is, in this case, psychological, how much goes on that's that's out of the public eye that has nothing to do with
1: arriving at the venue and going to work? I think that's what people don't realize about playing Singapore. It's not that playing a tournament the last week of October is going to kill her. It's that you have to step on the court probably October 1st to get yourself to play at a high level a couple of weeks later. That would only have given her two or three weeks off, and, and that's the, the kind of decisions that have to go into being made. Is It's not just one tournament in October. It's the preparation and all the time on court leading into just to play one more tournament For the rest of the year, instead of taking it, okay, I'm going to give her two months off, or however long she's going to take off from being on court. That is where you know the team has to help her make those those great decisions. And for her, I really think this was the right one.
0: I was going to say not not a lot. I mean, obviously disappointment to the WTA, and you're not thrilled if you're Singapore. But I I do not sense a whole lot of blowback generally for this in a way that there there might have been earlier. But but you mentioned no, I think. We'll go go ahead.
1: Steve Simon, the, the new CEO, gave a great quote. Listen, I mean, she is the star of this sport, and his one of his first quotes as the new CEO was, I thought, so perfect. Basically, whatever she needs to do to be a, around as long as possible, we understand. I don't think we've ever seen a player like this at 34 years of age um, obviously be able to dominate, be able to lead this sport. You've just got to say at a certain point to certain players and their level of popularity – you do what you got to do. We'll figure the rest out.
0: I got one for you on that same theme. I'm just, yep. you know, this This is pig, piggybacking. I was not going to ask you this originally, but I think it's it's interesting. Um, you know, there, there's an older player playing top-shelf tennis, even older than Serena, and that is her sister Venus. And there's also an older doubles player, Martina Hingis, who will be <laughs> in Singapore, number one-ranked doubles player, won the U.S. Open in Wimbledon. Which of these three surprises you and if i if i had told you in whatever when these were your peers in the year 2000 that
1: three <laughs>
0: three of the four of these would be you know, th- you know that martina hingis would be number one in doubles, serena number one in singles and venus would be making a push for singapore is
1: that a trip it's a that trip is so true.
0: uh which of those three surprises you the most
1: um well if you'd ask me in 2000 uh I don't know what what surprises me most today is Venus, and that's simply just because of what she's gone through, and what we know about the last three or four years. I really thought it was close to the end when she pulled out of the U.S. Open um, and announced that she had Sjogren's syndrome. What was that? Was that 2012 or 2011?
0: 20. I think it was the year before the Olympics. Yeah, 2011. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I really thought that that was going to be. The end for Venus, and to see her make this push at 35, I I, I know she's either an alternate or, or whatever for for Singapore. I mean that is amazing. Um, she started off great. She had a slow middle of the year, and then really came on strong again these last couple months. To me, that is the most impressive, the most surprising, and uh, I I mean I don't even know what to say. I don't know how she's doing it with her body and. Um, let alone just the age she is. But then dealing with everything else, she's amazing. You know, she's a warrior.
0: I, I would say, too, and I feel like this has been overlooked by fans, this is not, you know, I mean, every each their own. This is not like Serena where she comes to the majors. She played Indian Wells this year. Serena did. She plays Miami, Cincinnati. Otherwise, we don't see a lot of her. Venus is grinding it out. I mean, Venus is playing yeah. those Tuesday night sessions, going, going for the points. This is not... Um, you know, in any way sort of par- – Vita's probably playing more now than she was when she was ranked number one in the world.
1: She put a strong commitment forward this year. And a lot of it, her schedule obviously has to do with her health. Right, and we right. know that she was battling some injuries these last few weeks just to try and make it to Singapore when she realized she was that close. Um, but Wuhan, Beijing, Hong Kong, I mean, it's that's a good effort in October – uh, to keep playing, to keep going to these cities. And, I mean, look at she ended up winning a huge title in Wuhan. Um, I, I would think that it, it was interesting quotes. Now we'll have to wait to see. I, I don't know if it ends up that she's the alternate if she goes or if she plays in that other tournament, was it Zhuhai? Um,
0: right, the, the one we were was some, playing. Right, yeah, right.
1: she was giving some quotes that she needed to start resting her body for 2016. So positive sign she's already looking forward to you know, getting back and being successful next year as well.
0: I have never met a player also, at least from the U.S., more overtly patriotic than Venus. That These Olympics mean as much to her as a major.
1: Yeah, and uh, all those players that have started accumulating points from Wimbledon through, and Venus obviously being one of them, um, it's, you know that i think for sure she's kind of cemented her position on the team in rio i think that was the goal she's done that she'll she'll be at another olympics it's amazing, it's amazing. first and, one was and, 2000 and, no, uh, and she, she just keeps going
0: great story and i mean i think we're we're tracking this on um on a wednesday from what i hear she's got a shot at singapore i mean apparently there's some you know maria's status is up in the air apparently safarova's status is up in the air a lot of money is on the table. That's an inducement to go, obviously. But I'm not sure that field is not going to move in the next uh, 72 hours or so. I don't know if you've yeah. I mean, the, the um,
1: it it would if you're an alternate. I would definitely go to Singapore yeah, this year because exactly. I think you have the the right to say no, thank you. But I mean, positive signs. At least Maria is there. I know she had some uh, media stuff to do as right. well. Um, Simona Halep has, is there. Um, Safarova, I mean. After being in the hospital, it seems like she's trying to play. I I always wonder about players who come back so soon or too early from something major, whether it's an injury, in this case an illness, um, before they're fully healed and before they've given themselves enough time to prepare. I always feel like sometimes then that can spiral down on you because you get back on court, you start losing, you're not really ready, you start compensating with other muscles, and it just seems to keep going. I always feel like if something major happens, just take some a lot of time. Get yourself ready. So the first tournament back, you know, in your mind, you feel like if I make a good run, I can win this, not, oh, I just hope to get a match in or two. And it just seems like that's what Safarova has been doing these last cup two weeks in the European fall tournaments. I mean, it doesn't look like she's ready to play, but who knows, maybe maybe she's doing a lot better after being in the hospital a couple no, of No, I I think I have, I'm oh, totally yeah.
0: I'm totally with you. Especially we've been hearing for weeks now that she's not 100%. On the other hand, there's a lot of money on the table and she's remember yeah. she's there for doubles too. So she could, you know, yeah, that's she, she could, she could yeah. not win a match and walk out of there with, you know, two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand 250,000 dollars, but whether you're looking for a ticket to your favorite NFL game, college football game, or the ATP World Tour Finals in London, the SeatGeek app is the best way to find a great deal. Now when you buy tickets on the SeatGeek app, use the code BEYOND, B-E-Y-O-N-D, and SeatGeek will send you a check for 20 bucks with no catch. Here's how it works. Download the app on your iPhone or Android. It's free. It's easy. It takes less than a minute. Search for your event. Find a great deal. Enter our code BEYOND. And SeatGeek will send you a $20 check right to your house. It's that easy. SeatGeek is, in essence, paying you to use their service. SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of sellers online. Think of this as tickets version of Kayak. It shows you the best deal automatically. When you shop on SeatGeek, you're seeing virtually every option available on one page. They also rank it in what's called the deal score. It shows you the market. It plots the best deals on a color-coded map of the venue. Recommends what tickets you ought to buy. Again, download the SeatGeek app today and the promo code Beyond. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks once you've made your first purchase. You want to go see the NFL, you want to try and get to the World Series, you want to see live pro tennis in London, use the SeatGeek app, enter our code Beyond, and save 20 bucks. Our colleague here at SI, Richard Deitch, does a must-hear podcast about sports media. This week, he landed one of his most-wanted guests ever, WWE announcer Paul Heyman. He also talks to James Miller about the future of Grantland. Don't miss this edition of Richard Deitch's Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. Search for it on iTunes. Visit SI.com backslash podcast for more info. You want to slum real quick? You want to talk okay. men's? We we haven't talked any men's. You want to talk some men's tennis? Let's do it. Kind of looking like the Novak show. I'm not sure uh, what you're seeing is this that fall.
1: Crazy?
0: I mean this this run that he is on, and we talk about this all the time. Why isn't he getting the respect? Is it because people have already you know people cast their lot for Federer, and Nadal, you know, eight ten years ago, and they just don't have the capital left? But I, I feel like in a weird way, this is one of the more underrated. Accomplishments that we're uh, that, that we're witnessing here. This this guy just ain't losing.
1: I mean, what happened to the big four? It's just, <laughs> it's just the big one now. I mean, to do what he's doing, even after the U.S. Open, when we talk about Serena and her having to get away. Now, granted, Novak is way younger. He wasn't playing for the calendar year slam, but I mean, he hasn't lost a set since. <laughs> he's just dominating everybody. Um, I. It's. It, I mean, who would have thought a few years ago? Be like, okay, it's it's obviously between Rafa and Roger that all you know all the Grand Slam titles. Right. Who's going to end up with more? And here's Novak just quietly chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. It's hard to think he could keep up this level another four to five years. But at the other hand, there's just there's no weakness. He just looks very happy with this lifestyle. He looks happy to be playing. He's handling the pressure really well. It's just. It's crazy the amount that he has been able to improve the last 18 to 24 months. I'm not sure I've ever seen that kind of jump That's right. so big to go from two to three to one and then just never lose, be such a dominant number one.
0: It's also, you wonder who, you you sort of spin this forward. In the next five years, do you see anyone, here's a crazy stat I'll throw at you, and I did not, I think, I, I, I want to credit the right person, I'm not able to, but it's, I don't know, this was Clary or Ben Rothenberg, um, I did not come up with this, but it's a great stat. Do you know Novak is the youngest winner of a Masters event that's active right now?
1: I didn't there's, know there's that. There's no, no there's no
0: player younger than Novak right now that's won a Masters event. So that's I mean that to me a, a is incredible considering this guy's not so far from age thirty. But also you spin this forward and you say in the next five years who's who's touching this guy and if this guy can win you know. Conservatively, two majors a year for the next five years. We need to uh, perhaps recast this greatest of all time discussion that we all like to have so much. I mean, it's and, it's really exactly, and
1: that's why you you just you got to just wait and see until these players stop playing.
0: Exactly,
1: it, it's just you. Everyone has these conversations. I mean, who the heck knows with Rafa? Maybe he just goes on one more big tear. I mean, you just never know. These guys, we've never seen anything like it. These the, the level that these three play have played at. In the same era, we've got to just wait you know, five, eight years to see where they all end up. Uh, I would think that that next generation, that, gosh, they really had a tough year this year. The Nishikori, they did, didn't the they? Raonic, the Dimitrov, everyone 18 months ago, 16 months ago was saying, okay, they're going to really push in 2015. To be honest, they were not a factor in the big tournaments. And so then you go to the, the generation before theirs, which is more like the curios. Kakanakis, who else is in that eighteen, that nineteen to twenty-one year old range?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like all of these generations have completely been redefined now, just because now we're not skewing to twenty-eight; we're skewing to thirty-four. Yeah. So yeah. suddenly, you know, Bernie Tomic, twenty-two, twenty-three years old, and you're still considered a young player. Whereas ten years ago, it would be middle age, and boy, is this guy ever going to do it? But uh, no, you're right. I mean, you go Benoit Paire. Yeah, you, you you go pretty far down the list, though, when you you say who's gonna? Chorich had a nice year, and Dominic Team, but I, I don't know. I mean, I God bless the guy, and God bless one-handed backhands, but is, is Dominic Team the guy that's gonna to topple
1: Djokovic? I, I, mean, I, you, I have
0: a hard time seeing that.
1: I do, I do too. I, I mean, it always goes to me. It goes to Curios and how can he get it all together mentally? Can he? You know, the, what's holding him back is just how he behaves, all the energy he expends with all his his antics on court. I, I mean, if you're Novak, you're just sitting back and smiling, watching that happen. Because you're like, okay, he's not a threat until he can really put it all together, and that seems like it's still a couple of years away.
0: A lot of man-made distractions. Um, yeah. You know, as long as we're in Australia... Um, did you see the news on Are Ash? we in
1: Australia? I mean, Are we there?
0: Conversationally, we're in Australia. We're going... <laughs> oh, okay. uh, what do we have? 90 days we'll be in Australia. But conversationally okay. in Australia, did you catch that item on Ash Barty
1: I did playing cricket now, huh?
0: Is that the, I mean, this is someone she won more than a million dollars, you know, junior champion, Australian Open Doubles finalist as a teenager. You know, I I think this is a dude, you look at the WTA rankings eighteen months ago and you say this is a star X years down the road, and she has quit tennis and is now playing cricket. I'm not sure I where gosh, to begin I with. I have a
1: that. lot of I have a lot of kind of mixed emotions about it but I have to say the prevailing one is is a bunch of happiness towards her I we say it the the players that have lived it it is a brutal sport I think I only know obviously on the women's side but between the ages of 16 and 24 and we've seen it chew chew up and spit out a lot of great Great players. They just couldn't handle what was going on. Their family struggled with all of it, and I think she talked openly about just not having any fun, being right. on the road by herself, not having teammates, getting lost. And she kind of took matters into her own hands. She's like, "Wait a second. I am not happy. I don't care. It's not worth. It's not worth the money that is being thrown at me. I got to take some time for myself, get better, and you know what? Go have fun." Now she's playing a team sport. She's doing something that keeps her closer to home, makes her happy. Listen, this sport is not for everybody, um, and I'm—I'd rather see that than the than a, a sad tale of another player who just kind of struggles unhappily through the tour, and Lord knows what ends up happening to them.
0: Totally with you, and I—I I gotta say the c- courage is an overused word, but let's say like the, the conviction of a teenager to just basically say, "I'm one of the top." fifty practitioners yep. of this sport in the world. It's made me wealthy. I've traveled all over the place. And you know what? I'm out. That to me is says a lot about her. I mean that that, that to me is remarkable. It says a lot about the people around her who aren't clearly pushing her, her or have not been effective in it. And to see, you know, you you hope she finds the happiness that she didn't have in tennis. You also hope this isn't a story of at age 29, she's now deciding to make a comeback and wish she had played and didn't realize how good she had it. I mean, you hope she's happy and cuts the cord, but you don't hear this story too often, do you?
1: No. I mean, how many people do you think were telling her, yeah, you should walk away? That's the best thing. Exactly. I guarantee you, what, yeah, you I mean, maybe well. her parents, I don't know, but I would think that most people were like, no, just tough it out, take a little break, you'll be fine. It's such a great opportunity. And, I, like, again, I'm a complete outsider. It sounds like she's like, no, I'm not. I just, this isn't for me. It is not for everybody. It is, it is brutal. It is rough. You're out there by yourself. It's very lonely. And I, I applaud her for saying this is just not what I want to do with my life.
0: One of the things I like about you, one of the many things, you, you are not one of these former athletes where every question is seen through the prism of me. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but I want you to talk about you. For a second here oh, on, this, on this topic, <laughs> when, when you're 19 and you're you have siblings, you have friends, and they have a very conventional life, and they're freshmen in college, and they're having fun, and especially now we're posting photos on Instagram, and everyone's having a good time, and you're in a hotel in Linz. Um, I mean, you you didn't have a social media component, but were there were there times when you were like, I'm 19 years old, and I, I'm in a special place, and I have a life that's so Unconventional for someone my age, you know what? It's it's great that I'm making this money and it's great that I have this the status and I'm this elite athlete, but it wouldn't be bad to be a USC freshman right now.
1: Totally, and and you know what? I had um, I had people around me, my mom especially, that always gave me options, and I remember vividly my mom and my coach, and I don't know if I was nineteen or twenty, telling me, and I don't know if I'm. 12 in the world or nine in the world, somewhere in that range, um, that I should start taking classes uh, at college nearby, just because they knew that it, it was it was getting very tough. And there's a couple of years there for everybody where you're, you either get lost or you kind of figure it out. And my mom was definitely worried for me that I was getting more unhappy. I, I had put on weight. She could just tell that Um, things were not going how she wanted for me and I remember her telling me you should why don't you take the fall off and go take classes maybe UC Irvine or wherever and just you know see what makes you happy and so I obviously stayed the course with tennis but I certainly wasn't getting like thrown out on the court go hit go do this you know I had I always felt like I had control and could make my own decisions I don't think that's the case for a lot of these players I think they just do what they're told put their head down And one of the reasons why I think some players are a little lost when it's all taken away, whether it's by injuries or age or whatever, or ranking, um, they just don't know what to do anymore.
0: I got to say, I think think you're the one who brought this point up, and now ever since you did, it's come up again and again, but the accelerant that is social media – when you're when you're sitting there grinding out points or you're sitting there on a Tuesday night and you just lost and you've got 72 hours to kill before your flight to Charleston and you're looking at Instagram yeah. and your peers are at the sorority party and at the Auburn football game and everyone's having a good time, I, I can only imagine that it intensifies I, these
1: feelings. I, I am so incredibly grateful I didn't play in that age. First of all, I couldn't handle people if they had had like a – direct line to me to tell me how bad I was or how could I miss that shot. That would have sent me over the edge. (laughs) And then, you know, I, I don't think that the young generation realizes that essentially it's like a greatest hits. Like everyone puts out, you know, these great pictures. Oh, it's so much fun. Well, you know what, you know, life isn't that much fun and that great for everybody. But when you see pictures and you see other people, you know, at parties like you said, or celebrating something, you think, okay, now I know the grass is greener on the other side based on what you're seeing, but it's not necessarily true. I, after going through everything these last couple of years, I would tell anybody who's playing, just stay off of that. There's just nothing good that can come of it.
0: Don't feed the trolls. No, I wrote, I wrote exactly. about it this week. No, it's very – I, I um... It's very jarring, though. E- even if some, if you say in advance, you know, listen, five out of every hundred are going to be just nasty, filthy stuff, and ignore them. And these people are sociopaths. And it's still very jarring to pick up your phone and have a complete stranger say repugnant things about you. Um, yeah, but
1: you know what? You shouldn't. You shouldn't also read the ninety-five out of a hundred great things. You know, I mean, it's, it goes both ways. Yeah, you shouldn't believe all the, the, the smoke someone's trying to, to blow up. You, you know what I mean? Just like the, all this, oh, you're the greatest. Oh, you're so great. And then it's like you're the worst in the world. You shouldn't listen to any of them. You should listen to whatever, the five to ten people that are super close around you. And that's it. Other people's opinions and strangers' opinions should not matter. Should not control your happiness throughout the day, and yet I feel like it does way too much for these people.
0: Oh my! It's it's that dopamine rush of picking up your phone. Yeah. I mean, you literally see. I mean, you know, it's not certainly hardly unique to tennis players, but you literally see yeah. athletes first thing they do after a game. A- NBA, NBA locker room, everybody is on Instagram, looking and seeing uh, what what sort of the masses thought of their game. Um, all right, you're going to do this again because you, as I say, <laughs> with John Goodman and. Alex Ball, Alex Ball's went R two West out live. You are to this podcast,
1: John Wertheim, I cannot say no to you whenever you need me. Oh, stop!
0: <laughs> um, this was great. We uh, we kind of freewheeled. We went to some places I did not. I did not expect cricket and Ash Barty to make this podcast, but you know what? No, but that's what I, makes us fun.
1: It's a great great point. I like that story actually.
0: It's one that we'll chase in Australia in ninety yeah. days. We got our next major yeah. uh, next major not so far. Um, All right, my friend. Thanks. That was great. Thanks, John. (laughs) All right. Take care. All right. That was Lindsay Davenport. Always a pleasure speaking with her. You can see why she is such a talented and also well liked analyst for the Tennis Channel. We'll be back next week with a new guest. Enjoy the tennis in Singapore. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for listening.